Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Podcast Network Asia. I've kind of had the privilege of working in lots of places in the world, so, you know, South Africa, different Southeast Asian countries, and it's just amazing. So, and I've only been here a year, and I, and I can't get more excited and kind of spewed about it more. I think there's a couple of things. One. It's just sort of large, the demographics, large, young population, really well-educated and such impressive talent we've been able to bring in and, and, and we kind of meet with, partner with. So I think, you know, you have a growing economy, over 100 million people. The, the second thing, in particular in the financial services industry, is there's, there's so much pent-up demand. These services we, I talked about earlier that are missing, right? You know, I'll give an antidote. Like in South Africa, one of the top five banks, it's a big unsecured consumer credit provider, so kind of credit card term loans. South Africa, for context, population half the size of the Philippines. The lending book of this one bank in South Africa is larger than all of the banks put together here. So that just shows how actually underserved the market is here when it comes to credit, insurance, investments. So I think for anyone aspiring to be involved in really transformational change in the financial services industry, I cannot think of a better country in the world for it. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning from wherever you are watching this podcast from here in the Philippines and from all over the world. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In my podcast, what I like to do is I like to speak with a country's pioneering business personalities and cutting-edge entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? What are their best practices? Can we emulate those best practices in our own businesses? How have they innovated their businesses during this pandemic? And what opportunities, more importantly, do they see emerging in this new, new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu and on YouTube. Tonight, I have the founder and CEO of GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is a bank regulated by the Banco Central of the Filipinas and is a joint venture of Time. That's T-Y-M-E, a multi-country digital banking group with members of the Gokuwe group of companies, particularly Robinson's Bank, Robinson's Land Corporation, and Robinson's Retail Holdings. GoTime Bank aims to unlock its customers' financial potential with the convenience and security of digital banking. They will tell us more about that as we speak to the founder. Please welcome here to the show, Mr. Nate Clark. Nate, it's, I'm so happy to finally have you here uh, on the show, Nate. Thank you so much, RJ. It's great to be here. Uh, I asked earlier, pain points, and this is one of the pain points here right now of actually doing this live, uh, uh, doing yeah. a, a live podcast. Uh, but rather, I wanted to go back to the idea of, of GoTime Bank. 
Um, like I said, yes. there are six digital licenses that were extended here in the Philippines. GoTime yes. was fortunate enough to be one of those who were chosen uh, to be one of the banks that got the digital license. But what exactly is the pain point in general that digital banks are trying to address? And in particular, that GoTime is addressing that maybe mm -hmm. the other digital banks aren't addressing at this point. Yeah, so the, the, take me a step back. If I even maybe tell a story about the early days of GoTime, we were, we were sitting with our brand agency and really trying to get to the heart of what does our brand stand for. And there's was, there was a particular exercise they all had us do that, that sticks with me. They had us write it on a little piece of paper, you know, what is your brand at war with? And, and the reason for they said that all the best brands in the world, the Nikes, the Apples, are at war with something. So for example, Apple is at war with frustration and they solve that through a beautiful experience. Uh, Nike is at war with kind of not moving, being sedentary and they solve that with motivating you to move and compete. And kind of what came up clearly for all of us, all the founding team is, you know, we are at war with unmet potential. And more specifically, we're at war with unmet financial potential. So, so maybe what do we mean by unmet potential? I think, you know, Philippines, big basketball nation, me coming from the U.S., I'll kind of, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the number one pick. It's the Kwame Brown or the Greg Odens who doesn't, uh, doesn't pan out, right? But I think if you translate that to the financial world, I think, unfortunately, a place where I've spent a lot of time in South Africa or here in the Philippines, there's just massive unmet financial potential. It's like all of the, the raw talent, like millions of, you know, hundreds of thousands of smart people graduating from college, university every year here in the Philippines, but not access to affordable credit. Less than 3% of the country has access to affordable credit. Less than 3% of the country has access to um, affordable insurance. Less than 3% of the country has access to high yield savings. And this compounds over their lifetime that they are unable to meet their potential. You know, they have the earning power or the wealth building power of many people that grew up in the U.S. or, or, or Europe, but they're unable to unleash that potential. Here in the country, you said you were talking about the different percentages that you're seeing, right? But then, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to find out again, like I said earlier on, that initial pain point that you said that digital banks address, particularly here in developing countries, because I know that yeah. it's got a different, you know, digital banks have a different, I guess, context in more developed uh, countries. And at the same time, what makes GoTime Bank a bit different from the other digital banks which acquired licenses here in the Philippines? And I know there are only six of you guys. So let's start off with what the pain points first that you discovered for putting up a digital bank. Yeah, the pain points in the Philippines, like many emerging markets, um, I think the heart of it is that the current incumbents, the financial service providers and banks, digital lenders, et cetera, actually don't meet the requirements to really let people maximize their personal financial potential. So they're kind of written there's just such pent up demand for that. So in the big use cases we talk about, I think taking a step back, the fintechs have done a great job, you know, the e-wallets here, Gcash, PayMaya, of getting quite wide adoption of payments. But when we talk about real meaningful, I would say like the next level of financial inclusion and allowing people to maximize their um, financial potential, you get into credit. So affordable credit um, and instead of and right now in the opportunity here in the Philippines, for example, is that the going rate on a digital lender or informal lenders, six to 10% per month or even more. Right. Wow. Um, That's crazy. Right. And, yeah. And then the reason for that is only 
roughly 3% of the population has affordable consumer credit from a bank in the form of like a credit card. Very similar story when it comes to insurance, kind of less, less than 3% of the, 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 the population is formally insured. And then the same, maybe even more like 2% of the population has access to like high yield saving, sorry, investments, such as, you know, being able to trade stocks, or bonds, et cetera. So there's a, a massive opportunity to empower um, kind of actually all segments of the population to maximize their, their financial potential, like any other kind of smart, young, old person would um, in other parts of the world. Just they don't have that ability here. And having said that, so this is the notion, it's really developing banks which call for financial inclusion. And it's, it's, it's strangely enough, it's not being done through a traditional means, but rather through a digital means. Why is it easier to do financial inclusion digitally than it would have been over the years, I guess it would be manually? Yeah, I think the, the big thing is just the rapid adoption of mobile technology, right? Um, in Philippines, as, as you, you know better than me, one of the world leaders in that as far as use of, you know, internet through phones, social media apps, et cetera. So that's kind of opened up the opportunity, but can maybe back to your first one, the second part of your first question, how are we different? We actually take quite a different approach opposed to other digital banks in fintechs in that we don't believe in, in particular in emerging markets, probably different in the developed market that you can do a scaled um, banking play new bank play that actually gives access to the huge underserved populations, both, by the way, at the high end and the, the, the middle and lower end of the economy, without a physical presence and a human touch. We feel there's a, a you need a bridge before you can be what you call a pure digital bank. So we're kind of the outlier of the, the new banks in town. Um, we, we're the one that has a hybrid model of physical and, and digital distribution. So how, how exactly does it work for me? So you will have a physical outlet or a, phys a brick and mortar branch for GoTime? No, so I'll, I'll bring this to, to life a bit more. So we act, what we do is we integrate into physical retail ecosystems. So, so to kind of make, bring that to life right now in the Philippines. But by the way, today is our, let's look at the date. It's our six month anniversary from, from launch. Um, Congratulations. So actually now. <laughs> um, so if you walk into a Robinson supermarket, a marketplace, a shop like, you will be greeted by a smiling GoTime Bank ambassador uh, with our with our you know a, a beautiful bright blue uh, shirt. They will kind of explain to you the benefits of GoTime Bank. They'll usher you over to our uh, kiosk. It looks a bit like an like a futuristic ATM. There's no cash management. What that kiosk does is allows you to open up a full bank account in under five minutes and included in under that five minutes, we issue you a visa debit card in real time with your name on it. Then, and that debit card also, by the way, is attached to the Go Rewards loyalty program. And then in that store, that same supermarket, Robin's supermarket, you can go to any of the till points, the cashiers, and you can do deposits and withdrawals for free. So on one end of the spectrum, if you're, you know, a Gen Zer only want to interact digital with us, you can do that. You can download our app, sign up on the phone. But if you're someone who, you know, just walking into the shop, either haven't, haven't heard of us or you're uncomfortable with a pure digital play, um, we'll actually get your account opened, give you a card, and then um, you, you essentially have 
I would call the benefits of branch banking, physical presence, cash in, cash out, um, but also the, the advantages of, of digital. So technically, uh, with, with Robinsons as your partners, any Robinsons outlet, if it's a Robinsons bank or I guess it's a Robinsons uh, supermarket or uh, even a department store or, or mall, they will have go time as their physical as the physical space for it. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It's we're, we're not right now. We're in in two hundred locations nationwide with a kiosk. Wow. Nine hundred nine hundred locations with deposit do with deposit withdrawal. Um, if you fast forward four or five months from now, we're going to have over four hundred kiosk locations, um, and then you know thousands of deposit withdrawal points. Uh, and that's because really of the definition of what you mean by uh, sort of like a physical digital bank, a hybrid, a hybrid yeah. digital bank that you're able to create 200 locations in just about six months. Yeah, there's this kind of, it, we essentially turn over, and this is a very similar model that we deployed in South Africa. In South Africa, for example, we've got uh, about 1,500 locations through retail partners, mostly supermarket, and we find fashion and department stores work well for this model. And, and yeah, in South Africa, that's given us almost 7 million customers in four years. And, and uh, so far, we're off to a, a better start here in the Philippines. Wow, really great to hear that that the things are are are, are that the things are augering well here in the country. Again, for those who want to be able to check out uh, GoTime uh, and and open up an account with GoTime, you can also visit their website. Uh, Mix, can you flash their website on the screen here right now? That's www.gotime.com.ph. Again, that's GoTime G O T Y M E dot com dot ph. So, just a question over here um, for those who are just listening to us. Uh, do they just go to the site and they can actually open online or do they have to go to a Robinson's location to open up a GoTime account? Yeah, so actually we're, we'll direct everyone. You go to um, the Google Play Store for Android users or for the Apple iStore for Apple users. Just search GoTime in the App Store, download um, the app, and then you can open it right right on the app. It takes five minutes. You, can, uh, you just need one uh, valid form of ID. We use facial recognition technology along with that ID to, to open the account. Um, so you can actually do that in the comfort of your home. To get your free debit card, though, you can you go to the kiosk. Or you can do the entire thing at the kiosk in any of the Robinson stores. And is there a minimum balance to, to maintain the account in GoTime? No, no. So, so no minimum balance. I mean, the other kind of exciting features we've launched with is it's a, there's a 5% savings rate. Um, wow. a save product with, with no minimum balance, no lock-in on term, no limit as far as how much you put in. Um, we offer three free Instapay transfers and PaySonet transfers per week. Um, and then we also, as I mentioned earlier, um, if you're an existing Go Rewards customer and, and you either like to buy Cebu Pacific flights or, or shop in Robinsons, we merge that with our, your account. So you can actually, the, the debit card becomes a Go Rewards card and our app and also you can use a QR to, to, to scan the Go Rewards card. Um, and we offer 3x rewards and points to cash if you want to earn more within the GoCongway ecosystem. Well, I'm very happy that I'm a Go Rewards uh, uh, client, a loyalist over here. But I just have a question. I mean, I mean, the benefits seem, well, almost in the local side, too good to be true with regard to the interest rate, with regard to the three free bank transfers. You would think... I mean, to my part, to, to my mind, you would think that the bigger banks would be able to offer that more because of the scale and resources that they have to extend promos. But then, to my mind, you're able to offer that already. Go time 
uh, these promos right now to clients to entice them to become uh, part of the uh, GoTime client. Will this be something that's ongoing, or will it be something just to? I mean, that 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 this is a, it's a which is which is a great strategy, but to bring clients at the start. Yeah, so I think as much as possible, we say we want to be much more feature focused and less promo. It's a feature, not a promo. Um, if you take the interest rate, for example, it, it's not something that you know expires on, on you know on June thirtieth, like like some of the other um, players out there. However, it will move as interest the interest rate environment works with BSP. So as a reserve bank, BSP raises interest rates. Potentially, we'd raise rates further. Um, as it reduces, we would also reduce them as well. I think maybe to answer though your your question on you know, how can we do this versus traditional. It actually really comes down to cost structure. So if you look at the big banks, right, they have thousands of branches. Um, they have you know tens of thousands of employees. And this is really our, while we have the benefit of physical infrastructure, we're actually piggybacking off of the retailers. We're not building our own branches, right? We're not employing tens of thousands, you know. We've got 7 million customers in South Africa. We only have 300 people work the business. So what we do is we'll pass on that savings um, to the customers. We don't have to charge as much in fees. We can charge lower interest rates and we can give higher interest rates on savings. Now, another thing I'm also interested in to ask, uh, uh, to go times, you know, uh, I always find it very encouraging to see that 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 a lot of foreign executives or, or consultants like yourselves who've worked on this project in the past, look at the Philippines and say it, it's full of, you know, group potential. And sometimes, you know, many Filipinos sometimes, because uh, I guess they might be a bit jaded, they, they don't really see the opportunities in their country. Help just enlighten us over here. Like, what are you seeing that you're, you're so excited about with the economy, uh, with the country, with fintech that is not present in the Philippines that, you know, I mean, you, you're somebody obviously who had opportunities to, to do this somewhere else. Why say, I'm, I think I'm going to build this opportunity here in the Philippines to help build uh, a great digital bank? Yeah, there's a couple of elements. And by the way, just I tell every kind of young aspiring entrepreneur I meet or any young person here, any Filipino, I say, you have no idea how lucky you are. I've kind of had the privilege of working in lots of places in the world, um, so, you know, South Africa, different Southeast Asian countries. Um, and it's just amazing. So, and I've only been here a year and I, and I can't get more excited and kind of spewed about it more. I think there's a couple of things. One, it's just a large, the demographics, large, young population, um, you know, really well-educated um, and such impressive talent we've been able to bring in and, and, and we kind of meet with, partner with. So I think, you know, you have a growing economy, over 100 million people. The, the second thing, in particular in the financial services industry, industry is there's so much to be, there's, there's so much pent-up demand, these services we, I talked about earlier that are missing, right? You know, I'll give an antidote. Like in in South Africa, one of the kind of one of the top five banks. It's a big unsecured consumer credit provider, so kind of credit cards, term loans. So South Africa, for context, population half the size of the Philippines. Their entire the entire lending the lending book of this one bank in South Africa is larger than all of the banks put together here. Um, wow! So that just shows how actually underserved the market is here when it comes to credit insurance investments so i think for anyone aspiring to, to be involved in really transformational change in the financial service industry i cannot think of a better country in the world for it 
No, that's uh, thanks so much. It's it's truly so. It's it's sometimes nice to get a different perspective and see just how big the opportunity is here in the country, especially in the banking and, and financial inclusion. Speaking of which, um, if you look at your background, you were actually an American expat. I mean, you worked in South. I guess you worked in South Africa. You worked for Deloitte Consulting. How did this opportunity come across? To you? I mean, where did you where did you all of a sudden say, "Hey, this is interesting," and I think we can do it in the Philippines? Oh. You were telling us a bit more about South Africa. That's how you, you what were the series of fortunate incidents that led you to actually say, let's bring uh, that, that business model here to the country? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there was kind of a, quite a bit of personal serendipity or fortune just to even get to South Africa. I was actually on a project in Tanzania, flying back to the U.S. I had a long layover in Dubai and I got, you know, I kind of been enamored in a little bit obsessed with this whole mobile banking thing. This is back in 2011. And then I, I, there was a long layover. I got to go to a conference on mobile money. I asked a question, you know, random question to the speaker about, I can't remember. Someone came and found me in the, and I said I was from Deloitte when I asked the question. Someone came and found me during lunch and said, did you know that Deloitte is building a digital bank for a, a big telco in South Africa? And I had no idea. I kind of was able then to connect the dots hustled my way onto that Philippine project. And then a, a few months later, I thought I was going to be in South Africa for three to six months on a consulting project. There was an independence issue with Deloitte and the partner bank and Deloitte couldn't continue the project. So then myself and, and a bunch of other, all South Africans, I was, I was kind of the token American, spun off to start <laughs> time. And then, yeah, the first you know five or six years, we were B, B2B and we, we kind of were able then in, 2018 to get a, our own banking license we launched but actually in that journey we were helping strange enough commonwealth bank of australia bring our product and our thinking to indonesia and when we kind of started doing that we then just started to more research the region and what we realized was that we number one we always wanted to go out of south africa but we, we thought originally oh let's go up africa it's a natural progression if you're south africa you go up you know, Nigeria, Mozambique, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. But when we kind of got a, a little glimpse of Southeast Asia, um, we realized that the demographics, large, young populations, more higher digital adoption, but lower financial services adoption. It was like perfect. Um, so then we just started keeping our eye on the markets. And, and when the Philippines announced in 2020 they were going to offer new licenses, um, we then started to look for a retailer to partner with, because that's our model. We have this model, we we need to find a local retailer. And it was, again, the biggest piece of serendipity was that, you know, Lansko Kongwei and the family, the group were looking for, they also wanted to build a digital bank and they're looking for someone who did it before. And we kind of went to them, well, we need a retailer. <laughs> you're, you're basically one of the only, the top partner we could possibly get. And you know, three months later we had the deal. And, and we actually, the crazy part was we did this whole thing during the pandemic didn't even meet each other, um, but then you know finally got to move here last year in April once the COVID lifted. Wow! So you mean the whole time that GoTime was running, you were actually abroad? Well, when we was being built, so we we launched in um, in, in October, so six months ago. I only the team from Time only physically got here in April, so we actually did the entire joint venture deal, applied for a bank license, and call it built ninety percent of the bank all remotely hired people interview it was it was quite crazy so kind of like for example my co-ceo abit tinio 
uh, Filipino and, and Jojo and Lance, you know, we only got to meet each other kind of over a year into the, the project. I'm curious, um, you know, there, there have been many differing results of people talking about their experiences in the pandemic of building businesses. Either it really blew up their businesses in a good way or blew up their businesses in a not so good way. How exactly did you, you, you see the pandemic help with GoTime? Did it expedite the putting together of the company? Did it help you easily scale because there was a higher level of digital adoption uh, for things like digital banking? What, what was the experience that you guys had in the pandemic? I'm, I'm very curious to find out. Yeah, so I think for us, because we were still build phase, build and apply for a license. Obviously, didn't have a direct market impact. We didn't have customers yet. However, I think it likely helped. It sped up the deal-making and the excitement around the concept of launching a new bank. In pre- I would imagine, in, not to put words in their mouth, but in particularly to think about on the Galconway side, our, the local partner, you know, they would have been witnessing Gcash just exploding, right? And and the proliferation of e-wallets. And, you know, you know the story better than me. I wasn't here, but the digital adoption just went from kind of 20 to 100 and overnight. So I think, you know, we had a, because we were, didn't have customers, we were pre-launch. We kind of had a bit of a unique challenge of building an entire team from scratch, trying to build a culture, recruiting, all through Zoom and, and Teams. But actually, surprisingly, it, it's it's incredible. I think once once you kind of everyone got used to being online and everyone's online, it's actually quite it, it can't nothing can replace physical kind of human experience. But it, it was actually surprisingly smooth. And, and yourself, what I mean, what I find interesting as well, uh, from your journey in South Africa, where you have discovered this opportunity, you went from being a consultant jumping into the shoes of a banker. For me, that's sort of like the you know you, you were you were the consultant, but you became the uh, quote unquote entrepreneur banker because you were heading time uh, over there in South Africa. How was that transition for you? Because usually, not not many people you know that's that's a similar jump that many people make here as well, right? When they go from uh, I'm working corporate. I, I moved to entrepreneurial work. I mean, it's sort of like an analogy to what you did. Was it difficult for you to do that one when you, when you, when you made the transition? Um, I, I would say it was more exciting than anything, right? I was kind of in my the, the late 20s. You know, it, I'd always, I guess from my early years, my dad and mom kind of ran a family business. They're home builders, renovators. So I think kind of deep in me, I kind of always, and you know, you always look up to your dad and your parents, always kind of... Uh, I think what was ingrained in me is that entrepreneurship and having control of your own destiny is something I aspired to. Um, I think, you know, you know, if I came home and if I wanted to like impress my dad and I came home and said, you know, I've climbed the corporate ladder to, to, to this step, it's not going to impress him. So maybe that was kind of part of it. <laughs> I kind of always, I always kind of had this pull towards, towards entrepreneurship. Um, the other dynamic was being a consultant, even though I would say it's one of the best ways to start your career because you get exposed to lots of industries, you're forced to learn things very quickly, put under pressure. It was always, it lacked that satisfaction of, of owning something and doing something, right? You're kind of making recommendations, doing small projects. So I think for the most part, it was very, very exciting. I think obviously it had its dark days, tough moments when you're nervous, is the business going to survive? And we had, you know, over the last 11 years, we've had many ups and downs. We had a big down early COVID because there's so much uncertainty. But I mean, overall, it's been amazing. Uh, let's talk a bit, bit more about the challenges, uh, especially um, in, in putting this bank up. I know that there's, there are two sets of challenges to my mind. Working in, in South Africa in digital banking 
and saying what I mean, of course, you know, it looks like it's it's the conditions are right. Theoretically, things are right. But were there points that you said, you know, I I, I want to the stress is too much. I want to give up or the situation isn't working for you. That's the first part that you part of your story. But then also here in the Philippines, I mean, there's a unique set of idiosyncratic challenges because you can't translate all the things that you used to solve problems in South Africa don't easily translate to solving the same meaning. Yeah. Try to solve it here, it's not exactly the same way. Maybe you can share with us a bit more of those, you know, the challenges because many people think, you know, uh, you know, all being an entrepreneur like yourself is always up, up, up. But there are some challenges which you go through. How did you, how did you get through them? Let's talk about your South African experience. Yeah, I think in the, in, in the South Africa side, kind of a very different set of challenges than we face now is more of that earlier stage startup, right? So we had this concept that had not been proven anywhere that we can we can build a hybrid model and people will like to sign up for banks in the supermarket. Um, it kind of had this, the first six months it was working and like lots of people were signing up. <laughs> um, so there's kind of that euphoric phase where it's a honeymoon phase, I think of any business when you're building it, launch it. Um, and then for us, where it became very tough, where was, I think it, then you kind of hit the realization is okay, our activity levels is adoption fast enough. How's the revenue coming? That kind of natural kind of second phase of the business where stuff naturally gets tough was compounded was made worse because that's when COVID hit. So literally plan A was we're going to launch this business, go for six months, raise capital, and then accelerate. And that was our promise also to the shareholders that were backing us. And, and they, didn't have, they didn't have plans to carry us right, you know, as we're losing money for by themselves but then when covid broke out in the capital markets you know really hard to raise money everyone had so much mm -hmm. uncertainty it was kind of at the exact point where we were scaling but losing quite a bit of money we hadn't kind of started a, a, a clear trajectory towards profitability so that was like the most that re really difficult but i think you know you get through it because of the people around you kind of the, the team that you know we had even though we were launching a, a bank for the first time, our first brand. We've been the core team and to get been together already for five years. Um, and in those kind of darkest, I mean, there's even times, very early days where we were even, you know, looking for someone to buy us, do a merger, et cetera. It was, it was kind of really tough few months before everything settled. But even though those were tough, I kind of you look back. I find you look back at those toughest times with the most with the fondest memories. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like that, that, you know, but when you're suffering together, um, and really stressful, you know, you, you find humility in it, especially looking back on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully you, you can, you, you can just laugh about whatever you went through in, in that, in that, in the toughest of times. Now talking about, okay, we went through the tough time, but then, you know, in business, there's often also a time when you finally say, Hey, this is going to work. And yes, I, I know it's going to work. What was that? Like sort of like that point for you in, in in when go time was set up here in the Philippines, where you're saying yes, uh, you know, I, I felt that yes, it's 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 going to get where we wanted to take it. Where was that point for you? Well, you know, because you, you mentioned earlier that this thing might not translate. I think this was our our biggest worry. I mean, I think we did everything we could. You know, for example, there's only um, five individuals who are in go time who are from uh, time group. You know, we, we use their product and technology centrally. There's only five of us. So we made sure we hired a lot more people who are Filipino. So of the 150 of us, only five are from time 
because um, there are so many market nuances. So we hire people from Gcash, PayMaya, CIMB, ING, et cetera, to try to minimize that chance of it not translating. But our big worry was this kiosk strategy. Will people sign up for bank accounts in the Philippines in a, in a mall or a supermarket like they have in, in South Africa? Luckily, so that was obviously the big question that everyone had. Our investors, you know, the team internally. I think we were bullish. Oh, you know, Filipinos love um, going to the mall. They're very social. This should work. Um, luckily, it only took like two weeks. <laughs> so in, 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 in South Africa, we averaged like six account signups per day per kiosk across the fleet. Kind of in the first month in the Philippines, we were averaging like 30. And there was lines of people signing up in Robinson. Wow. So, so once we once I saw that, I think, you know, me and the team were like, okay, we have lots of work to do, lots of mountains to climb, but like this is, we're on the right track. <laughs> got that, got that. Now, now that we're at this point, um, give, give us a better understanding now. What, what, what GoTime is right now and where you see GoTime plan to go in the next two to three years here in building the, the financial ecosystem. I know, that, um, of course, uh, competition is good, but sometimes it's it, you, like we, we were talking earlier on, there's two ways to look at competition. You know, it, it's a growing market where financial inclusion here in the Philippines, it's got a long way to go. So the more digital banks, the better. But at the same time, um, the banks still need to stand up. There still, still needs to be a value added proposition that that go time uh, does better. I mean, and I'm sure that you've, you've picked up something from your experience in, in South Africa that you're able to bring here as well. So let's talk yeah. first about where, where you plan to take things uh, right right now after you've seen that the model has been successful. Yeah, I think at a high level, what we set out to do, you know, we talked about the big challenge being here. It, it underserved at a massive scale, right? So we believe in order to actually solve that pain point, we need to get massive scale. So our vision, and, and what we're set out to do is to become one of the biggest banks in the country. Um, and, you know, and, and I remember one time I was sharing this with a team and someone grabbed me after and they're like, you know, isn't that quite arrogant of us to make these statements? And I said, yeah, but this is why BSP gave us a license. You know, the Philippines doesn't have a two or five million financially excluded problem. It's a 50 million, 60 million person problem. So I think where we're going is we, you know, we want to compete with the, uh, the big guys when it comes to scale, um, the big brands. So we don't see ourselves as a niche digital play. We see ourselves as one of the biggest banks in the country over the next few years. The second thing I'll, so then, so that's kind of where we want to go. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the last point we were just talking about was that what, uh, what were you seeing? Where do you see yourself taking go time over here to become the biggest bank? And it's not, it's not really arrogant for you to think about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like, this is a vision that we have because of financial inclusion. Yeah. And so then if maybe I transition to the second part of your question, like, you know, how, how do we, how do we differentiate? Um, you know, I, I think as we were talking about earlier, I think the politically correct answer is if we're sitting on a panel with Greg from Tonic, Manish from Uno, is that there's plenty of space <laughs> for all of us, right? Um, and, and that actually is not just the politically correct statement because the scale of the problem, right? I, I do think there's going to be two or three massive new banks created in the next five to 10 years. But as far as, you know, how we're going to win, you know, how do we do it differently? It's kind of three elements to it. I think on product, product pricing, you know, we have to be really good. 
that speaks to the 5% interest, the three free sends, speaks to the reward rewards proposition. And over time, we're going to get into innovative and low-cost credit opportunities, really exciting investment opportunities, insurance. So I think that's that's one element of it where we have to differentiate. The second one, and I would say by far the biggest one, and, and maybe to answer, you know, what is GoTime going to be famous for? We're going to be famous for customer experience and service. Now, I know that, you know, might seem a little bit boring compared to like a sexy product, et cetera. Um, but actually, you know, at the heart of banking, it's people's money. So I think what people really want is, is they want the product to work every time. If there's an issue, they want to be able to help. Um, and they want that to happen conveniently. And this is where, in particular, our human touch is going to come through. We call our go human promise. So this is the ability to conveniently open our account, have free cash and cash out in any Robinsons with mall and retail hours, not banking branch hours, right? You know, so on the weekends, late at night, you know, if you work and you get off late, especially think about the BPO world in the Philippines, you get out, the branches aren't open. You can't, you can't do things, you can't do deposits, et cetera. So the big in, in that service experience is a big piece around convenience and access. Um, this, the second one is around just creating a next level, beautiful banking experience. So, and it was funny, I was having a drink on Friday with one of my friends who's in the fintech industry here, he's Filipino. And he said, you know, I, I love your app, Nate. Are you sure this isn't like too nice for the Philippines? And I just had like the biggest smile. I'm like, what, what kind of question is that? Like that is, first of all, that is exactly what we're going for. Like our view is, you know, we've got these Revoluts and N26s of the world that create a beautiful banking experience. It works every time. Um, it's seamless. In Germany, the UK, it's like, of course, it's not too nice. Like that we're going to, you know, we're going to build a Filipino bank that is, is world-class. And the, the, the last, you know, way, we most importantly, we deliver on this promise of of customer experience is that human at human touch, right? So we have, if something goes wrong, not only can you, you know, chat with us in the app or message us on social media, you can go see, go find that smiling ambassador um, who, can, who can give you help, you know? Um, we kind of have a promise right now that we'll pick up the phone in under two minutes and call us. I think right now we're averaging like, as of two days ago, one minute, 47 seconds. So it's these type of things, like really, we, we believe that um, we want to be famous for that experience and customer service. And at the same time, uh, what I like over here is that you're, you're seeing a lot of different opportunities emerging on how you can improve your services. If you look at the bigger picture also, uh, being in the fintech world, I'm sure that you're also seeing a lot of other opportunities emerge that obviously that might not be under the bank's purview or there are other opportunities you're seeing that emerging for other fintech opportunity uh, for other fintech uh, entrepreneurs. Can you share with us, Vito Mind, what are these opportunities you're seeing emerging where, where entrepreneurs can still participate here in the country, especially given your perspective of how digital banking is growing? Yeah, I mean, we're we're, I mean, we're looking and we're, we're kind of actively partnering and looking for more of these partners. I mean, for example, um, you know, we have there's it's not just in the financial services there's gaps. It's in payroll, and so I, I would say almost every um, vertical, financial or non-financial, 
has a lot of room for growth and digitization. So, you know, we're kind of providing fully online uh, banking and, but then, and we'll get into investments and, and insurance over time. So I think there's a massive opportunity in insurance. There, there's, a, there's a big opportunity in something as simple as being able to pay your employees online. There's other things, for example, being a very easily set up an e-commerce site or be able to communicate with your customers. So I think um, we're actually very actively on the, on the lookout if anyone's watching for these other fintech or just digital businesses um, who can plug into us as a digital bank. Got that. And, you know, um, as I look at your background, it's consultant uh, to sort of banker, entrepreneur. And I'm sure that you've gained a lot of insights along along the way. Do you mind sharing maybe a couple of your management insights or management acts with people also aspiring to be entrepreneurs like you? Some of them are working corporates and them are coming from purely entrepreneurial background. What have you learned over the years that you think might be able to help other people as well? And we're here live right now together with uh, uh, with our friend Nate Clark of GoTime. He's a founder and CEO of GoTime. Uh, check it out here right now. That's www.gotime.com.ph. Again, let's flash it on the screen right now. That's gotime.com.ph. Um, and also, I want to put out this word, uh, you know, as we do under, undergo technical difficulties here, but let me take this opportunity here right now uh, to ask the people who are listening that if you have some specific uh, entrepreneurs in mind that you would like me to interview, please do let me know. All you have to do is you can go to the RJ Desk podcast, send a message over there uh, so we can get in touch with those people. We would love to have them here on the show. Uh, at the same time, I'd like to encourage everybody, if you're listening here right now to the program, to pick up a copy of the on, my online digital publication, The Business Manual. On the cover there, we have right now uh, Carlos Barrera. He is the head of Lazada Philippines. Really great article on how they're using Lazada to help scale small online businesses and they're teaching you the different techniques on how to scale it so uh, i suggest for all of you who are doing online businesses trying to figure out the strategies on how to grow the business uh take a look at the article of uh, of carlos barrera i interviewed him uh for the business manual very interesting discussion i'm sure you will learn a lot from it and again just visit the business manual online and uh, at the same time check out my show on tv it's called uh, one news on bright ideas uh, bright ideas. I talk to all the different uh, startups here in the Philippines to get a better idea of how they put together the startup, what pain points they were trying to address, and how they're trying to grow their businesses. In the meantime, uh, we are awaiting the return over here of our good friend uh, Nate Clark, again, the founder and CEO of GoTime. Um, and again, we invite all of you, if you have the time, to check out gotime.com online. Try to download an account. Here, you can either go to uh, the Google Store or the Apple Store uh, and check them out. Uh, you can just pray, type in GoTime, G-O-T-Y-M-E, uh, over there for Apple or Google. You can also do it live. You can go to their actual locations and you can find, uh, you can actually go to their locations in, the, in any route with a small meetup with a GoTime ambassador. They will assist you in putting up, uh, of course, uh, your site there in GoTime. And for those listening to us here right now uh, on Facebook Live, um, we apologize for the technical difficulties, but we want you to know that you can get uh, this full uh, full interview this time uh, online, uh, and, and you can get that on our, our Google and Apple podcast. I know that I might be too clear here right now. Uh, together with Nate, we apologize for this difficulty, uh, but given that one, 
Thanks again listening. Thanks again for listening to the RGS podcast. We'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks guys. Take care. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.